Look, I'm not being paid to say any more than this right here. You are listening to a wonderfully accurate account from Fight Dragons Win Prizes. This episode is called The Emberlock Incident, Part 2, which is a really boring title, especially for the second episode of a debut campaign. A better title would be Two Rings to Rules Them All, One for the Finger, One for the Ear. This episode, while free of traditional bad words, is rated PG for moderate descriptions of combat-related abrasions, injuries, and bad moods. When we last left our three adventurers, they were in a bit of an orc-sized pickle. Well, two of them were anyway. The other one was dead, which, I suppose, is its own kind of pickle. Our survivors are Marcus, the brave male fighter, who could probably be a sword model, and Arya, the elf ranger, who isn't sure if she could ever be with someone who could be a sword model. Our duo are stuck inside Emberlock Cavern, thanks to their mage, Gramwork, who is currently making a sharp rock feel very good about itself for allowing it to fulfil its lifelong dream of squishing a mage. Marcus walks over to a pile of what used to be goblins and kicks their leftovers across the floor. A small shiny object skips across the cave floor. Look at that, Marcus says, waving Aria over. She leans over him. Her hair falls over her shoulder and into Marcus's face. Ordinarily, Aria's hair would smell of peace flower and onceling berries, but today it smells like whatever the insides of goblins and gnomes smell like. Marcus makes a disgusted face and flips Arya's hair out of the way with a dramatic sweep of his blood-stained gauntlets. Arya is about to explain that there is nothing gross about her hair and that she washes it every third day, because washing it every day is bad, and further that tonight she would be making an exception to her every three days hair-washing schedule, because goblin bits cause split ends. But she stops herself, understanding Marcus and her aren't a couple yet. And talking about hair for nearly two paragraphs might really turn some people off to the idea of maybe someday being a couple. Marcus doesn't notice Arya's internal dialogue. He's busy examining the shiny thing that skipped across the floor. Do you see this? he asks. Arya nods. It's an earring, she says, but not made by elvish or dwarfish hands. Marcus turns the earring over in his hands. This is the work of the deep jewellers, he concludes. Aria crosses her fingers, hoping Marcus doesn't wear the earring. It's his trophy, sure, but a man wearing a single earring is a man still on a journey of self-discovery, and Aria was pretty much hoping Marcus had life figured out already. It's a mix of human and goblin craftsmanship, she says, and would look terrible on a rough-and-tumble face such as yours. Marcus stares off into space in a gesture that clearly communicates he is thinking. His finger shoots up like an old wizard who's just cracked a case. The goblins are stealing from the tourists at Holly Spring, he says. They're after their adornments and jewels. They're trying to gain a competitive advantage in the handcrafted jewellery market, which is crowded by stay-at-home goblins eager to find meaning through a side hustle. Suddenly Marcus takes to his feet. They must be stopped! We don't need any more overpriced and expensive to ship handicrafts, especially not ones made with stolen goods, he shouts, darting towards the cavern's only exit. Arya follows Marcus through a twisty goblin-sized tunnel. In the narrow passage, Arya thinks about the earring 
And naturally, this thought causes her to think of rings and then, finally, wedding bands. It occurs to her that this whole quest may be a setup for a surprise marriage proposal. A smile appears on her face. Would she marry Marcus if he asked? She doesn't know, but thinks the answer would be yes. The duo exits the passage into a huge, cavernous room with a giant shaft in the middle. A wooden platform is hanging from a chain in the middle of the hole. The thick chain extends from the middle of the platform up to a pulley and then down to a sad-looking lift troll that's leaning over what looks like an oversized pirate ship steering wheel. Marcus notices the lift troll and observes that the poor beast is chained to the cave wall with just enough slack in the links to raise and lower the wood platform. We have to free him, Marcus says. Ordinarily, Arya finds pleas of compassion, hard to resist, but today she marks Marcus's words as confrontational. Absolutely not, she says, her voice firm. Lift trolls are the sworn enemies of the Windstill clan. Marcus doesn't listen or he doesn't care. Like most graduates of private hero schools, it's most likely a combination of not listening, not caring, and the need to pay back hero school debt that drive his actions. Sometimes these things appear as compassion. We can't just leave the poor thing here, not like this, he insists. Arya, agitated that Marcus picked the troll's feelings over her own, engages in a moment of self-reflection. She decides to be the change she wants to see in the world and agrees to help free the lift troll. Cover me, says Arya, as she does some pretty sick-looking parkour moves around the perimeter of the deep, hollow shaft. She arrives at the lift troll and sees an expression of defeat on its face. Something stirs in her heart. Maybe it's understanding, or maybe it's the acknowledgement that her hair smells just like the troll's armpits. Check its chain coupling, Marcus shouts. Arya wonders why he gives the direction. She knows how to free a chained beast, even though she's never freed a troll. She shrugs off the thought, then sneaks to the back of the troll where its chains meet iron rings in the wall. There she finds a barrel filled with fresh flowers and a wood sign that very improbably reads, Will you marry me? Arya thinks the sign and flowers are for her and begins to celebrate her ability to tell when a man is, like, really into her, like in a bring-home-to-meet-mum type of way. I knew it, she says. But then there is reservation in her heart because freeing this troll would mean she could never bring Marcus home to meet her own mum. Quite a pickle Arya finds herself in. Or so she thinks. Arya draws a dagger and speaks a metal-breaking enchantment onto it in elvish tongue. The words sound like wet noodles sliding past robust lips. The dagger glows pink and begins to hum. The troll winces and cowers away from Arya. This has the unfortunate effect of pulling the troll's chains tight. Arya sees the slack of chains heading for her head and rolls backward. She almost slips into the shaft, but is able to push off the edge just in time. She takes to the air, doing a double backflip layout with a full twist and sticks the landing. Both Marcus and the troll fail to see that as Arya was flipping through the air, she knocked and fired two arrows. Both arrows whiz through the air and plunge into the troll's vital organs, making a sound like a hot javelin through cold slime. Red plumes of what I'll call red confetti erupt from the wounds. Marcus is horrified. No, Arya, what have you done? He cries out. He runs toward the troll but then is forced to walk as the ground becomes a stream of thick red water that we all know is not water at all. I... I thought he was preparing an attack, Arya explains. 
the troll slumps over and utters its final words. Could one of you clock me out? Overseer Flopwickle gets mean when I forget. Just as Marcus's left eye begins to tear up, a new voice echoes from behind the duo. You ruined my marriage proposal plan, the voice says. Marcus and Aria turn and find a human man, dressed in Holly Spring formal attire and holding a ring. Just then, and for the first time, it occurs to Aria that the flowers and the sign were not for her. Wow, talk about a pickle. Marcus and Aria, who were hired to help protect the village of Holly Spring, have just ruined the marriage proposal plans of an important-looking resident. They don't know the man's identity or who he was planning on proposing to. But what's more interesting is that neither Marcus nor Aria understand that the man's presence in the cave means the cave entrance has once again shifted, meaning there is now a way for them and the goblin horde inside to get out. That's the end. At least it's the end of this episode. It's not, however, the end of the Emberlock campaign. Stay tuned for more of whoever are the main characters. I don't really care because I know they're not me. Now, I'm required to tell you about our Patreon page, which can be found at patreon.com slash fightdragonswinprizes. Right, like, I'm sure you need another Patreon page to support. Well, if you choose to make what's being called a really smart and good-looking decision to support Fight Dragons Win Prizes on Patreon, I'm sure you'll get bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes stuff, polls about the merits of AI art, and a rant about why sandals are the correct choice for most footwear-related occasions. Anyway, go to patreon.com slash fightdragonswinprizes and support the one-man band that creates the very words you are hearing now. Thank you. Now off with you. Go listen to a podcast about a hobby you're sort of thinking of trying to turn into a career. Fight Dragons Win Prizes